In this episode, I want to have a brief look at epistemology. Epistemology is the question or the study of knowledge and how we know what we know and how can we be sure that the the knowledge you have is trustworthy. And this is not a, a major lecture on epistemology. There isn't time for that, but I want to quickly... Uh, lay down a a foundation uh, on this topic. So let me use an illustration. Uh, Suppose I come to you with a wooden box that is very well sealed. It cannot be opened. And I tell you to take the box and tell me what's inside. So um, what, what can we know? Um, and how do we know what we know in, in a situation like this? We have a box, we try to open it, we try to find some kind of lock mechanism on it, and we just can't figure out what it is, or maybe it's it's locked with some very complicated lock. We cannot open it, so how can we figure out what in, what's inside? Well, the only thing we have at our disposal are our senses. So we try to look inside, but there are no cracks, there is no way to open it. So basically, our ability to see the object inside the box uh, is just not there. You know, something else we might do is we might try to shake the box to see if we hear anything, if it's making any particular types of sounds that we can recognize. But we shake it and uh, nothing really moves inside and we don't hear anything. We don't really smell anything. We cannot touch it. So essentially, our access to information is is entirely dependent on our senses, and because we don't have an our senses don't have an ability to to reach inside the box, we're stuck. We we don't have a way of knowing uh, what it is that is in the box. But our senses are not the only thing we have. Um, We also have our reasoning ability, and our reason. It's kind of a different way of approaching the subject. It doesn't tell us directly what the object is, but it allows us to make somewhat educated guesses. So, for example, if I if uh, I didn't use my reasoning, I might say, okay, I don't have access, uh, sensory access to the contents of the box, so there's a, a near infinite amount of possible things that could be in there. But if we use our reasoning and we said, okay, this box, <clears throat> this box is only, you know, about half half a foot in length or whatever and in, in height, then we we there, there's a large number of objects that we can eliminate because they just wouldn't fit. So, for example, an elephant wouldn't fit in this box. So, out of all the the infinite or near infinite amount of possible objects that could be in the box. We've already eliminated maybe 90-something percent of them by the sheer fact that we, we can recognize the, the, that the box is too small for, for most of these objects to fit. So our reason doesn't directly give us access to, to something that is outside of our, our sensory access, but it allows us to make educated guesses and to eliminate possibilities. So essentially... Human beings have two ways of knowing. One is our senses and one is our reason. Um, Our senses are limited by their reach and our reason is limited because 
uh, it allows us to make somewhat informed guesses, but the, the result is still a guess. So we cannot know for sure that whether we're right or not on, on, until we have access, sensory access to the object. So going back to our senses, <clears throat> uh, technology has allowed us to go beyond our senses to some degree. So for example, technology might allow me to take this box and, and x-ray it and try to figure out what's inside using, using uh, x-rays. So in the same way, uh, if we talk about other things like, for example, uh, telescopes that allow us to, to look far into the universe, far beyond uh, what we can see with the naked eye. Um, so technology is a way for us to extend our senses, but even technology has its limitations. In other words, <clears throat> for example, uh, with the universe, we, cannot, we can only see a small percentage of the entire universe as, as it's expected to be. In other words, uh, uh, the observable universe, the part of the universe that we can see is, is only a small, small fraction of, of the size that we expect the universe to be. So even our even technology is, it, although it's an extension of our senses, it's still limited in its reach. And like I mentioned, our, our reasoning ability <clears throat> allows us to to make some educated guesses, but they're still in the end just guesses. So this is a problem when it comes to theology, because when when we're talking about theology or philosophy, we're asking the question uh, of whether the physical material universe is all there is or if there's something beyond it something that that goes beyond the the laws of physics beyond the the material aspect that that we interact with every day and if there is such a thing as something beyond the material universe by the very definition of of how our knowledge works our senses don't have access to that, including the, the extension of our senses to, to, through technology as it presently works. So, in other words, because our, our vision, it's simply uh, uh, an ability to, to see the reflection of light and matter and things like this, it, it's still dependent on the material universe. So if there's something beyond the material universe, uh, our senses cannot reach it. And our reasoning can, can go beyond that, can go uh, beyond the, the limit of our senses, but all it could do is produce hypotheses, educate a guess, and say, okay, there's, there's this possibility, that possibility. For example, what can we say about the material universe? Well, we can say uh, probably three things. Come up with three general options, and within those three general options, we will come up with many subcategories. But the three options are this. One, the material universe is all there is and all there ever was. So, yes, there was a Big Bang, yes, uh, the universe has been expanding and all these things, but before that, uh, there was just some other variation of the material stuff. Uh, maybe, the, maybe there's some kind of a cycle where there's a Big Bang and a Big Crunch or whatever. In any case, the material is all, all there is and all there has ever been. That's one option. The second option is that there is something beyond the material universe, uh, some kind of force, some kind of element, whatever it is, something that doesn't uh, actually fit within, within the spatial-temporal realm that we, we understand through physics. 
uh, and maybe this something outside the material universe is somehow connected and is a, is a cause that that, that help bring the universe into its present state. Uh, but yeah, again, we have no way to access that. Probably the only thing we would be able to do is to reverse engineer the universe and come to the conclusion that it cannot be explained materially. Now, the third option is that whatever this outside element is, that it's actually an intelligent entity. And if, if this outside element is intelligent, then uh, the universe was probably engineered. So, in other words, it's not something that could happen on its own or, 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 or just happen once, once it got sort of like a push in the right direction. Uh, it, it, the universe is probably something that needed to be thought through and calculated and, and built by someone. And in that case, what we could do is sort of reverse engineer the universe again and say, well, this is not something that could have ever come to exist on its own or with just some, some minor push. So <clears throat> those are kind of the three broad categories that, that we, we have when it comes to the, the possible reasons for the existence of reality. And we don't really have a way to eliminate any of them. So in other words, let's say there is no God, there is no supernatural. Uh, the material universe is all there is and all there ever was. Because our senses are the only way to access a reality and to study reality, we would never come to the place where we could prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that there wasn't anything beyond the material universe. Because even if there was, we wouldn't know it and we would have no way to access it. So our senses and our ability to gain knowledge limits us in knowing exactly what is out there. So we're dealing with three possibilities. Either there's some kind of mind that engineered the universe, or there's some kind of force that got the universe started, or the universe just started on its own. And if that's the case, we, we don't really have a way to, to access that knowledge and to differentiate and determine which of, the, which of these three possibilities is correct. There's only one other um, element to this whole story that can affect our ability to access knowledge. Now, if we go back to the initial um, uh, illustration I used with the box, uh, you know, my senses cannot reach inside the box to tell me what's in there. Um, if, if for whatever reason the x-rays are not conclusive, then I'm kind of limited as to figure out what's inside the box. And my reasoning just allows me to eliminate certain possibilities and, and to, to, to come up with certain guesses. But there's one other thing I have in this situation, and that is that the person who put the object inside the box could just tell me what's in there. Okay, so what this means is that if we're dealing with three possibilities, the universe, the material universe is all there is, uh, the material universe was produced by some sort of supernatural force or, or unconscious, uh, unintelligent element, or possibility three, there is an intelligent entity that created all this stuff, designed it, engineered it, thought it through, if that third possibility is correct, there's also the potential for another way of accessing knowledge, which is some type of revelation. So this intelligent entity could actually tell us what reality is all about. The reason I'm going through this is to make the point that every type of religion, every type of uh, 
supernatural, uh, um, any kind of belief in God is always dependent on revelation. And I'm not sure if this is going to be clear after the way I've explained it so far, but what I want the listener to understand is that um, most of the world's ancient religions were developed um, during a time when people's understanding of reality was not similar to what it is today. In other words, people did not understand how the human senses worked and how uh, the things we saw were the result of light reflecting on objects and then being um, <clears throat> registered by the brain and made, se made sense of and all this stuff. They had a very different understanding of epistemology 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, when most of the world's major religions were formed. But today, we can start our epistemology with a baseline. We can say, hey, we know for a fact that human senses are limited and human reason, the two ways of knowing, the two human ways of knowing, uh, empirical information and, and uh, rational um, Empiricism and rationalism, the two ways of knowing about reality, we can know, going based off of my box example earlier, that these things have certain limitations. And that's the baseline we start with. And if, in fact, there is a God, our own natural ability to have access to God and to understand who He is and what He wants, this, this senses and, and reason are, are limited and cannot access that information on their own. So any kind of theology, any kind of religion, it's actually making a claim that God revealed this to us in some way. And this might mean that maybe God, there, there's a certain hypothesis, like some religion will have the hypothesis that God gives us an additional sense by which to detect divinity. That's fine. That's a possibility, but that's a hypothesis that goes beyond this sort of baseline state where we know that our senses and our reason are not capable on their own to access that information. So God has to step in and add something to what we naturally have. Uh, other religions might say uh, the way God has revealed things to us is to, to teach us lessons through nature. So for example, in, in Catholic theology, natural theology, coming back to, going back to Aquinas in the uh, 1200s, I believe, is heavily dependent on this idea that God has left within nature itself certain lessons for us to learn from. But again, all these things are hypotheses that depend on the idea that it is God or the supernatural that somehow is, is putting in information that we have to take out. And that applies to every type of theological system. In fact, I'm very curious if anybody can propose or point to some religious uh, perspective out there, you know, regardless of whether it's Christian or coming from any other part of the world, um, that cannot be deconstructed and to demonstrate that, in fact, it is a claim to revelation in some way. So I want to I want to establish this to set some type of a base baseline, because what we're really doing here is we we're coming to the place where we're having to come up with hypotheses regarding the idea that if a God exists, how would this God communicate to us? And there's many hypotheses in, within, the, within the world of theology and, and religion. So uh, 
some religions believe that God communicates through prophets. Other religions believe that God communicates to each of us directly through through our through our hearts or consciences or souls or whatever. Other religions believe that God communicates through nature, and I've I've said this and, and a few other things. So every religion in the world and even within Christianity itself, every perspective is built on some type of hypothesis regarding how God communicates. There's a hypothesis regarding epistemology. So as we go on from here, we're going to try to look at Christianity and see the different hypotheses that exist in Christianity and evaluate their epistemology and their view of how God communicates information and what we're supposed to build our theology on. Um, I'm not fully sure that uh, everyone can fully understood what I was getting at here because it turned out to come, it came out a little more complex than I ex intended it to be. But I'm going to go ahead and go along with what I've said so far and leave it up to people to ask questions if needed. And then I can come back and do another episode where I address those questions. It might be easier that way for me to, to first understand what people misunderstood here and then address it and to just re-record this all over. All right, so now uh, in the next episode, we're going to talk uh, more specifically about Christian epistemology and the, the hypotheses within the Christian uh, landscape uh, of how God communicates to us and what the sources of our theology need to be.